Operator here. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Matrix Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything cyberpunk. In just a second, we're going to connect you to the cyberspace. So hold on to your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Hello and welcome. This is your host, Alex, and you have reached the Cyberpunk Matrix podcast, your one-stop shop for everything cyberpunk. Today I'm joined by a published chemist and electro-optics researcher who also happens to be a cyberpunk author. His first novel, Europa, is available now on Amazon. Uh, Please welcome to the program, Elias J. Hurst. (laughs) Thanks, Alex. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great introduction. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for being here. Um, so, Elias, um, I really appreciate you being able to uh, come on to the show on such short notice. And uh, we'll go jump right into it with, uh, can't get more basic than this, but um, what's your definition of cyberpunk? Oh, man. So this is a tough question. And actually, I was checking out your website and noticed you had a, is the cyberpunk um, section of your website? Because it's it's such a big question. Definitely. And I should preface my response by saying I am by no means a historian of cyberpunk, you know, in terms of knowing great details about the 60s and 70s and then the comics <laughs> and Gibson in the 80s. Um, but I, I suppose even if I was or as I, you know, will kind of eventually be given my interest in, in this, um, I'm not terribly interested in, in guarding the definition of cyberpunk and um, you know, sort of what I mean by that is when you have a genre and you kind of put up walls around it and defend those borders, you Mm -hmm. can end up suffocating it. And, you know, my opinion is really that creative content needs evolution and innovation to, to thrive. So I'm pretty Mm -hmm. careful about the, you know, how I, look at that question of what is or isn't cyberpunk. Um, With all of those qualifications said, though, you know, I think there's kind of three things that I look at. And if the, you know, media in question has maybe two of those three, then yeah, I'd probably call it cyberpunk. Um, So for Hmm. me, that's a corporate controlled government or a government that is a corporation. Okay. Um, transhumanism and or human augmentation. And okay. then uh, really a high level of integration with virtual, with a, like a virtual reality of some kind, um, be that really a game or something like the matrix where it is reality. Um so yeah, when I look at things, kind of if it checks two of those boxes, I guess that's cyberpunk enough for me. Okay. So uh, it's interesting that you say there's three main things, but it could check just two of the three boxes, but not one of the three boxes, it sounds like. So you could have corporations and virtual reality, but not transhumanism or transhumanism and virtual reality, but not a corporation. Is that correct? It could still be yeah, cyberpunk. exactly. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to have all three of those, but I kind of feel like 
it's the combination of any two of those elements that for me bends it into cyberpunk. Okay. And that's, that's very interesting. I mean, I, I would definitely agree that we don't want to suffocate what is or isn't and not play uh, gatekeeping at all. And that's because I, I, the reason why I wanted to create this is the cyberpunk uh, subsection on the blog is because I do feel like there's a certain amount of gatekeeping on Reddit or on Facebook groups or things like this, where people say, Oh, this is, or this isn't, or you can't call it that, or that's a joke, you know? And I think that is a bit suffocating, um, but I think it's also useful to label. I mean, myself, I'm a teacher. Um, I teach English, not, cyberpunk although that would be cool <laughs> um yeah. but i uh, i think it's useful to know like we can talk across each other if we don't have the basics the same underlying values or assumptions so clearing making that clear that um this is what is and this is what isn't cyberpunk or at least creating a, an atmosphere for a dialogue and discussion i think is very useful um, so I've never heard, I've had a couple of different guests come on the show and I've never had someone say, well, these are three or four th- or two themes, check a couple of them. And the more you get it, the closer you get to it. Um, uh, one, one typical way of describing cyberpunk is saying high tech, low life, right? So this kind of short mm-hmm. me- motto. And I noticed in your definition, you don't have any type of low life punk aspect in your three things, which I guess would might come as a rebel uh, responding to corporations. But uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that having some sort of punk, quote unquote, is necessary for cyberpunk? Or is it just part of the name, but it's not necessary? You know, I, I think it is necessary because it the punk aspect of this um, speaks to the dystopian elements of cyberpunk and how often the protagonist or central characters are fighting against Mm -hmm. um, some type of dystopian control or system. And so it's important to have that punk in there. And, you know, where does the, like the low life come into maybe the three criteria I'm looking at is, you Mm -hmm. know, typically if you're have a, uh, corporate controlled environment um, that tends to not work well for people. I think we have yet to encounter a truly benevolent corporation. Um, yeah. <laughs> and to a degree, the human augmentation and transhumanism, I think tends to create uh, a lot of inequality in the stories of cyberpunk. Hmm. Um, okay. And that forces a lot of people into kind of a, a low life sort of mentality, right? Where they have limited access to some technologies that uh, wealthier parties are able to use to sort of sustain their advantage and their control and power. Sure. Definitely. I would agree that that's why, uh, I mean, one of the first, I didn't know what this term was was three or four years ago. I feel like I'm somewhat of a newbie. Um, And then I found this website called uh, Cyberpunk Dystopia. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Neon Dystopia. Neandystopia about the cyberpunk genre. And uh, I never thought about dystopia as kind of a, uh, an important aspect of it until I looked at it and I saw, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. And that's why I think it's interesting to look at um, almost all the stories I've seen so far have some sort of 
this is not a perfect happy place. <laughs> that often can be delivered through corporations, through transhumanism gone wrong or augmentations gone wrong or virtual reality controlling us to a certain sense. But I, I feel like um, really the, it is not a perfect world, which is why one of my blog posts, I looked at um, Tomorrowland as the opposite of cyberpunk, this or at least this ideal utopia that, you know, Tomorrowland is what maybe corporations say that we could be through the technology that they offer us, but cyberpunk is the thing that we actually get <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, yeah, that's a great way to summarize it. Well, uh, okay, but let's move on because there's so many, so much more I want to ask. This was just the first question. Um, how did you get into the cyberpunk genre? When when did you first get into it, and what was the thing for you? <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's interesting. So I'd say it was late 2019. I published a sci-fi novel Europa, and I didn't know that it was cyberpunk until people started telling me it was or saying, "Hey, oh, this wow. has a lot of cyberpunk elements in it." Wow, no uh, way. <laughs> But it's <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but that's did, well, hold on. So so you published Europa, not knowing it was cyberpunk, and then people told you it was, and then you changed the cover art because I see I looked it up on on Amazon. It's called a cyberpunk chronicle. Was that post created or was that always? <laughs> How'd that work? Yeah. No. Absolutely. As I sort of had more people review and react to it. Um, and I was getting this feedback, you know, on the, the cyberpunk and noir elements of it. Mm -hmm. um, I really did change a lot of my marketing. And, and part of that was I had a few people, readers, I would say, who were perhaps rightly kind of pissed, picking it up, thinking it was going to be a space book. And it isn't. Um, right, because Europa uh, is a planet, right? Uh, right, and somewhat misleadingly the you know the intro of the book is all about this mission that's supposed to happen to europa mm -hmm. um, so it was pretty important to make clear to people that uh the mission never leaves and that's kind of the whole point of the book really oh okay interesting well i would I, unfortunately i have not read it yet <laughs> i would love to pick up a copy uh at some point to to, to check it out um okay so so you wrote it not knowing what cyberpunk was actually. And so you could say that your introduction to cyberpunk was through your own novel. <laughs> that sounds like a really weird way to put it, but yes. And to I mean, a that's, degree, I guess. that's, that's super badass. I think, I mean, it's like, Oh, I saw the matrix or I saw Cyber, uh, blade runner. Oh, I wrote my own book. That's how I got into the genre. <laughs> that's really great. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's a term I think, I had heard, but I didn't really know what it was. And it was only when, you know, I was talking with people about Europa that I learned like, oh, cyberpunk is the name for this collection of things that I really like. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, you, you found out about the term just recently. Um, and um, I guess now that you know what it is, so you recognized it in 2019, I think that's actually around when I realized it too. I think it was late 2018, beginning 2019 that I discovered what it was just through 
looking at, I mean, I think it was actually Neon Dystopia again that introduced me to that term. And I saw, oh yeah, all these things that I like all fit in the same kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. What is your favorite? Well, I, I want to ask you another question, but I don't want to get disorganized here. So I'm just going to stick to it. Um, what's your fav- favorite cyberpunk media now that you know what that term is? <laughs> So this is going to be like, a, you know, one of those time travel thrillers where things start going back on each other. But my favorite cyberpunk media is uh, for sure the very first Deus Ex video game. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I played that in my teen years, not knowing, again, that it was cyberpunk, just sure. that whatever this game was, I loved it. I could not step away from it. <laughs> And then, uh, and then you kind of, as you learned more what it was, you, you revisited. Is there any uh, more recent cyberpunk media that you really like? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I guess I'll take a minute to plug uh, something that's a screening on Cyberpunk Day, but the Venus uh, short film. It's a short film directed by Andrew McGee. Okay. Um, and it's probably the most recent cyberpunk, you know, media I've seen and uh, just really impressed with the story. Uh, you know, there's a unique challenge to any kind of short form where you have to pack this character development arc and have some type of plot in such a short amount of time. And mm. uh, Venus really achieves that. And it's impressive that it was all done on sort of an indie Kickstarter budget. And, uh, oh, no. you know, the, the effects, the visuals, everything are, are stunning. That sounds great. I haven't actually watched it yet. I wanted to watch it, and then I saw that it was going to get screened, and I thought, okay, maybe I should wait until the right moment and give it its due focus and appreciation and not just watch it casually on the side. Um, but that leads uh, great into a great segue that, okay, so you, you didn't know what the term was cyberpunk until you published your book in 2019. Then shortly after 2019, you learned what cyberpunk was, and then all of a sudden you're helping create cyberpunk day (laughs) that i only knew what it was last year in 2020 i believe uh so tell me a bit about i mean that's one of the reasons why i really wanted to talk to you today and not in a couple of weeks because cyberpunk day is next sunday if i'm not mistaken or monday right next sunday that's right it's october 10th October 10th. Okay, next sunday so tell me what is cyberpunk day for those listeners who don't who aren't familiar Sure. Yeah. So Cyberpunk Day at the highest level is just a a celebration of everything cyberpunk. So any type of media that is cyberpunk, the day exists to celebrate it. And, you know, I would say Matt Matt and I together, Matthew A. Goodwin, um, sometimes look at this and we understand the acknowledgement of kind of rolling your eyes and being like, oh, man, another day. There's a day for everything now. Do we really need a <laughs> cyberpunk day? Yeah. And I totally get that. Um, of course we And do. the reason yeah. <laughs> to push, you know, that kind of format, what I want to say is, you know, in a, in a really noisy digital scape, um, sometimes the best way to make an impact and really reach people is to concentrate your efforts. And I really mm. think having that focus around a short time period um, gives us the greatest impact. And, you know, our mission is to 
help existing fans of cyberpunk find new things within cyberpunk. So if you go to cyberpunkday.com, um, you can find a recommendations area, and those mm-hmm. are really you know personal recommendations written by various contributors. Oh, and they really okay. try to focus on lesser known works. I mean, there's some you know very recognizable names there, but uh, we really try to highlight things that are kind of below that big budget level, um, so that maybe you haven't seen them before and. I would say the second part of our purpose is really to try and find people like me who love cyberpunk and don't realize it. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting because, yeah, I noticed uh, the lineup was recently published, I think, on Twitter, I think. And a lot of the pieces that I saw were not things that were, you know, like it wasn't William Gibson. It wasn't it wasn't like seeing Blade Runner, you know, the 1980. 1984, 1986, uh, uh, viewing of it, like the original Ridley Scott. Um, it wasn't, uh, I don't know, what, a reading from passages of Neuromancer. It was all this new stuff and all these different authors and writers and, and, and uh, indie filmmakers, like you said, who created Venus um, coming together. And so it's, it's like, a, it's like, oh, wow, it's not just all these old or older classics there's it's still very much being created nowadays and it's so interesting to connect with these different uh authors and and enthusiasts i guess well i'm happy to hear you say that (laughs) because that's really (laughs) what i think we would hope people would think when they look at this um because of course you can go to wikipedia and, and find everything you need to know about you know gibson or um you know philip k dick or any of the really you know, seminal works of the, of the genre, but, um, Mm. it's still, you know, it's alive and thriving and, um, there's so much new and undiscovered content yet. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that like, I feel like a a really good way, I hope that we'll be able to see it a little bit for cyberpunk day is to take new fans or, or modern day enthusiasts and introduce them to more new stuff based on the old stuff that they like. So I believe that for, there are different kinds of cyberpunk enthusiasts. I'm, I'm curious to see which one you are. But for example, a lot of people like Blade Runner. I don't care for it personally that much. I mean, I'm st- it's starting to grow on me. I've heard that there are people who didn't like Blade Runner the first 10 or 12 viewings, and then eventually they started liking it. Um, but I feel like you know people who like Do Sex, for example... Like I played uh, Human Revolution, I believe it was, uh-huh. uh, and it's much of a slower game. And the same kind with with, with books, there is these like slower paced, maybe a bit more technical or heavy kinds of books. And then there's the more faster paced video games or faster paced books or movies. And I'm definitely more of the latter. That I, I enjoy more of the uh, Matrix variety and the uh, uh, Battle Angel Alita variety than the slow, thoughtful Blade Runner 2049, for example. Uh, but there are others that are the reverse, that they are like, oh, this silly action stuff, I'm not into that, or it's too weird. But I like the slow, thoughtful, more philosophical-focused kinds of, of media. So I, I feel like, I guess what I'm saying is there are different favorites for different people in cyberpunk, and... Mm-hmm. You can say, oh, you got to watch Venus because 
it's like more like a Blade Runner, or you should watch this Matrix Four because it's more like I don't know Snow Crash or I don't know something like that. You know, like you take a, a more modern. You should read Bubbles in Space or uh, uh, Europa because it's more like neuromancer or more like i don't know whatever the vein would be <laughs> so yeah, i think that's a fantastic idea to kind of use that as uh like a navigational tool toward content you know what what have you read before that's sort of one of those defining works and mm-hmm. what things have similar elements i like that idea Mm-hmm. And how did you connect with Matthew Goodwin specifically? Because we had him on the the show last week or last episode. I, I've been kind of <laughs> uh, very busy. I've been able haven't been able to publish quite every week. But um, uh, how did you connect with Matthew Goodwin? Was it were you in a, a writing? Are there secret writing groups online? Or how did you get into the cyberpunk day that he kind of started? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to answer your question, yes, there are many secret Facebook, Discord, <laughs> you know, whatever else uh, groups. Um, and yeah, th- there are so many Discord servers that, you know, I you get invited to this server, that server. Um, but an invitation came around and I joined the group and, you know, it was just a, a group of authors who have an interest in cyberpunk mm-hmm. and this idea of cyberpunk day was floating around in the group. I want to say it was like mid August. Um, mm-hmm. They were trying to have it started, you know, October 10th last year. Um, and there was so much to put in place yet. There, there was no website. There was nothing for cyberpunk day. And I guess if mm-hmm. any one thing kind of sucked me into it, um, I helped get our website together um, pretty short time there. And, you know, my involvement wow. just snowballed from, yeah. from that. And here I am now. Oh, that's super exciting. And I, I heard from Reliable Source, which I guess, again, was the published publication on Twitter, that you guys have Mike Pondsmith, uh, the, the cyberpunk red writer. Is that correct? As a guest? That's right. Yeah. So... Um, Matthew was able to organize an interview with uh, Mike Pondsmith, which was incredible when he told me I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. <laughs> um, he's, he's definitely got a, a talent on that side of things, uh, you know, where I'm a little more logistical and uh, aesthetic sure. on the, the website and the art and things like that. Sure. But yeah, um, I, I, the response to this event has been great. That's wonderful. I remember when um, I was joining all these different groups who were really excited about the Cyberpunk 2077 video game, and a lot of attention was paid to him and him creating the tabletop game that drew they where they drew a lot of the inspiration for the video game and, and like what are the characters and what is the lore that he wrote mm-hmm. from his game so we know about this upcoming video game. And then, of course, you know, Cyberpunk 27 is unreleased, and there are mixed reviews. Uh, I personally liked it a lot. <laughs> I don't think it's my favorite, but I don't think it's bad either. Um, uh, but yeah, so let me go back to some of the other questions I had. Um, you are you have a very interesting background because you're not just a writer. You know the science behind some of the high tech that we see, right? So 
I mean, you're a chemist and electro-optics researcher. I'm just looking at your bio on Amazon here. You have a background of toxicology, photonics, and millimeter wave communications. What do you do now? Is, is this cyberpunk stuff just a side job to you working in a lab and saving the world? Or like, well, what? <laughs> um, well, yeah. What do you do now? Yeah, I'm a chemist and, and they don't let me in the lab anymore. And that's probably for better for everyone. <laughs> um, I was never a particularly skilled synthetic chemist. I'll, I'll never be Heisenberg if uh, crap hits the fan. We'll say okay. that. Um, and, and so really my role now is, is more in a product management type of capacity. So it's, it's a mix of, you know, marketing and product development and things like that. Um, and yeah, I've had been lucky to have some great opportunities, you know, working in the telecom industry, um, really focusing on technologies that went into radar systems, 5G communication, things mm. like that. And yeah. that had a huge influence on the, the technologies in Europa. Um, you know, in, in my personal perspective, in terms of, you know, weapons of war, I think the real new frontier is electronic warfare. Um, mm. And a lot of that really comes down to RF electronics and, you know, not only detecting, but disrupting other electronics. Um, and I, I really enjoyed those concepts and kind of taking uh, my limited knowledge in that space. And I'll say, despite working, you know, in that area for several years, it's, it's such a technical field that um, I would really say my knowledge of it is really limited, but even just pulling some concepts mm. and, mm -hmm. you know, applying those in Europa was a lot of fun for me. For readers, I, I've heard some some mixed things. Some people really enjoy that it has a little bit of that hard science in it. Mm -hmm. um, for others, you know, they've shared that the science was like a little bit too heavy. And so sometimes those were parts that they kind of flipped through. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's one of those things. I think people have different tastes when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, everyone has their own personal interest um but that all, all that stuff that's i mean 5g and everything that's that's very interesting um and that leads me to my next question do you think we live in a cyberpunk world now or is it in the near future is it the far future <laughs> is cyberpunk the, uh, the far far future because it's <laughs> certainly as as we said dystopian and not a happy place um sure but you know looking more I guess directly at like some of the ways I define cyberpunk looking at, you know, corporate control and right. transhumanism, virtual reality. Mm. Um, you know, there's certainly plenty of examples of corporations exerting influence on the government. You know, I think of what's happening with NASA and blue urgent blue origin right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what um, I was thinking. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and his interestingly monolith. shaped uh, shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed all of the Austin Powers memes that came about as a result of that. Shuttle. Oh, I, I got to take a look at those. I've heard of those, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, is that really to the level of what we see in cyberpunk? Not yet, in, in my opinion. And similarly with, you know, kind of human augmentation, we have... Yeah. 
very crude brain computer interfaces, but really it's, it's a while before we're there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And same thing with the virtual reality. So I think yeah. it's a near future thing. Okay. All right. So not far future, but not like now either. Yeah. I mean, we have little, little snippets of that, right? So we have Boston dynamics with our robots. We have China with its very strict uh, social currency. Um, I read the other day that, uh, China was banning certain video games with certain themes in it, like a like where you have to make moral choices in a certain way. That just seems very very strict to me. Um, you have uh, a lot of things that Elon Musk is trying to do, like the Neuralink, the brain connections, mm-hmm. and then and then we have Space Force. And we have a series making fun of Space Force, but we have like a legit Space Force. Um, I was listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about it with uh, an actual member of the Space Force. And I know it's serious. Like they, they have an actual section now. And I made me wonder, you know, when you were talking about uh, the electronics that you've seen in your field, well, electronic battle in, electronics battles in space disrupting each other's uh, satellites, will that be a major thing in the future or in the near future. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you're touching on why, you know, jokes aside, the space force sounds dumb, but you know, you think about the damage that could be done if, um, you know, a, a nefarious agent of some kind destroyed a whole bunch of satellites that were owned by, you know, one particular nation or group yeah. of nations. Yeah. Uh, that would be, pretty major impact to a lot of systems so and it wouldn't even be that that difficult where they're thinking about having internet being given to certain areas through satellites instead of through like on the ground and you can imagine all they need is to speed up any object that would cause damage to a satellite at a specific time in orbit and there are no proper protections i think to guard so anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent here, <laughs> but it's uh, there's no, it's so an many things. <laughs> there's so many things that that we could see in, in the near future. Um, all right, going from dystopian future to fun future. Are there any cyberpunk media that you're looking forward to that's coming out? Either video games, movies, TV series, books. Uh, I'm really excited for The Matrix Four. Oh, thank you for saying that. that. <laughs> top of my list, no question. Okay, um, so you didn't see I the trailer, wait. and you said no, no. You you were excited when it when when the trailer was released. Well, I kind of felt like the trailer at least made it seem like there's going to be a rehashing of a lot of concepts from the first movie, and sure, maybe that you know that gives me some hesitation, I guess. But okay, it. To be honest, I would be thrilled by a remaster of the first. <laughs> so maybe oh. my my bar is low, but I have a feeling <laughs> the story is going to be a lot more involved and nuanced than that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you been following any of the news about like why it was created or the actors that are in it or uh, like why it's just Lana and not Lily or any of that stuff? No, no. I mean, aside from Keanu saying he loved the script and that's why he made it, I don't know anything else of the 
Okay, so th- this this news was was relatively recent. Um, well, I don't know. I, I follow my own <laughs> YouTube channels like Neo Matrixology, um, who was a guest on this podcast as well. Uh, it was the second or third episode, I believe. And um, uh, Lily gave uh, in, sorry, Lana gave an interview shortly after the trailer dropped, where she explained that uh, Matrix Four was actually a way for Lana to cope with the grief of her loss with her parents. And so Lily dealt with the grief in a different way, and that's why she didn't want to revisit the trilogy because she felt like it was a done deal, it was in the past, it, it's not changing anything. But uh, as Lana was revisiting The Matrix, a script came to her mind, just it came to her, and being able to bring Neo and Trinity back, these characters that were so important to her when she was younger, um, it helped process that grief. So I think it's it, that's an interesting source that, you know, this one's going to be more relationship-focused and maybe a bit more... I mean, I don't know. If this is a source to help her deal with her grief, does that mean is there's going to be a lot of grief in the film or processing of grief? Or, like, I mean, Resurrections means... She literally is, like, bringing these characters back to life. So... I'm very curious to see, like, with that understanding, what she's going to do with the film. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that's a great thought to share, and I'm, I'm sitting here, my, my brain's spinning, <laughs> so I'm trying to think of how to, how to talk and process all of these, oh, these sure, ideas. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's great to hear that there's a really powerful, um, you know, emotive idea behind the new movie yeah. and because yeah, they were I mean, they were approached by warner brothers apparently many many times saying you want this truckload of money how about this truckload of money and they're always like no 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 we finished it was the three and it's done and what changed their parents died you know so that's that's like okay that's that's a good reason to <laughs> I guess revisit it give the fans what they want and i i really hope that this also leads to maybe a series maybe not under Lana Wachowski, but with her blessing or something like that, because there's so many stories. I mean, if you saw the Animatrix, did you see the Animatrix as well? I've seen a little bit of it, and that was quite a long time ago. But okay. as you were talking about that, I was thinking of that as well, and how fun it would be to have more spin-off type stories in the same yeah. universe. There, there's so much potential here. There's so many little stories that they. I really enjoyed uh, all these different little stories from the Animatrix. Um, and also, you may not have seen this. If you liked a lot The Matrix 1, 2, and 3, and you're curious to see unshown footage, um, when they released uh, was it Enter the Matrix, they shot all this additional footage, like live footage with the actual actors, to go alongside the video game. So you can go online, either on cyberpunkmatrix.com or just on YouTube, and just search Enter the Matrix footage. And it's about 45 minutes altogether of all these scenes that you've never seen anywhere else. And it, it's just, it's shocking how much they put into it at the time, in addition to doing two and three filmed back to back, but also these extra scenes for the video game. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. So I will be checking <laughs> that out. <laughs> it's really great. Um, if you liked the scene with Persephone uh, and Matrix Reloaded, where she is trying to get a kiss. Um, 
She does that with Ghost, and she does that with Niobe. And I thought that was really interesting, really interesting. Um, I never thought of seeing that scene again, but with a different character. So anyways, you'll have the fun with that today, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I will, yeah. That will be my evening, it sounds like. Um, okay, so, but, right, so so back to the question. Okay, so you're looking forward to Matrix 4, that's right. Okay, uh, myself as well. Um, the final question I'd have for you, I feel like you have a bit of a finger on the pulse of the cyberpunk sphere, I would say. Um, what is the state of the cyberpunk genre nowadays in terms of like, okay, Lana's coming back and she's putting in her two cents with Matrix 4. We had a uh, cyberpunk 2077 release in January of this year. Um, we have... Cowboy Bebop coming out. Oh my goodness. Um, and uh, other things like this. Do you feel like the cyberpunk genre is still like growing or is it kind of stagnating? Is it going back? Is it, Did it get a hit after the not success? I mean, the lack of success that was expected for all the hype with cyberpunk 2077. And how do you feel about the people you've been meeting uh, other cyberpunk authors and creators, are they like friendly or are they like kind of, I don't know, hostile? Do they keep to themselves? Like, what's been your experience with that? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I would say cyberpunk is, is growing and perhaps is at the cusp of mainstream. And I say that because, you know, obviously The Matrix is a huge movie. Millions of people are going to watch it. Mm. Um, I hope so. <laughs> but how many people watch it and watch it knowing, hey, this is a cyberpunk movie, or mm -hmm. will it even be a cyberpunk movie? I, I don't know how they could avoid that. But mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say we're, you know, cyberpunk as a genre is maybe right at the cusp of mainstream where there's some really mm. big mainstream works out there, but maybe not everyone realizes that's what it is. Okay. Um, that makes a you lot know, of Cyberpunk sense. 2077 is an interesting case because I think that was, uh, you know, a chance to really bring the term cyberpunk to the forefront. And sure. it certainly got a lot of press, <laughs> both bad and good. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think over time it will probably become a little bit more like, um, am I thinking of No Man's Sky, where, you know, the release was kind of a mess, but over time they've really been able to bring the game to what it was meant to be at release. And I hope mm. that same thing can happen with Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping that they'll be able to like add to it maybe a 2078 or just a new DLC or some sort of story that adds to it. Because they already have such a good foundation. That now that if they take two or three years to iron out all the bugs to realize what would be a good kind of story to add to it, um, they can really take it good places. But I'm also a little concerned that it will have gone so far that anyone that hears the word cyberpunk will think, oh, you're talking about the game. Oh, no, I'm talking about the whole genre. It's a lot more than just a game. And they'll be like, what? <laughs> so I hope and, they won't and, think like, even with a Google search, you're looking for cyberpunk and all your hits are about the game, or at least that's how it used to be. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I was just having the same thought, you know, that what you're describing has happened with SEO, that... It, cyberpunk 2077 dominates any search related to cyberpunk um, and 
you know, in its focus, I would say Cyberpunk 2077 adheres to a lot of really kind of central and well-established concepts of cyberpunk and maybe isn't terribly exploratory in terms of the environment and the story. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked the addition of, you know, the nomads and, and acknowledging that, you know, in a dystopian future, people will live outside of the cities. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, maybe not a whole lot of innovation on the genre in cyberpunk 2077. Um, and so if there's maybe any, I guess, negative impact of that game getting really big, that would be what I would say, because I, you know, personally feel wary of cyberpunk becoming just cyberpunk 2077 and Blade Runner. And those are the two aesthetics that it can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. There's a lot of opportunity uh, for it growing to become something different. And that's kind of why I'm so excited about Matrix 4 is because we've already seen Three matrices, <laughs> matrixes. Um, right, I'm not talking about the actual mathematical term. I'm talking about the movies, um, where it has the green tint versus the blue tint, and, and now to have this different variety, varied color palette, and it's a different kind of thing while still being familiar. I love that it's new. You know, it could have very easily just been like a rehash completely of the first one. And while it does have some things that are similar, I think it's meant to be that. And there's even uh, I'm wondering if there's going to be a sense that it's aware of its being similar to the first one, because in the trailer there's a scene, there's a scene in Matrix Four of a projection of Matrix One on the wall, and so that would mean that the characters in Matrix Four are familiar with Matrix One. The specific scene is the scene when uh, Neo is waking up and he touches the, wall, the mirror. And so how can, I've never seen that before. How can a movie in the movie have a projection on the wall of the prequel of that movie? You know what I mean? Like, that's very meta. (laughs) It's super meta. And, you know, but if any, like, universe in terms of, like, a creative universe could accept something that meta the matrix could because of course maybe neo exists in a world where the matrix is a movie yeah yeah that's (laughs) that's too much to think about (laughs) and yeah that's when smoke comes out of your ears and (laughs) (laughs) well and and an interest to keep the smoke in our ears um thank you so much elias for for coming on today yeah absolutely i've really you know, enjoyed our chat and I appreciate your insights on the genre. You have just been in the cyberspace with your host, Alex. Welcome back to the desert of the real. If your upload was smooth, leave a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe for more content.